Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 60th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys tonight following Carolina's win over Furman as the Tar Heels topped the Paladins 74-261 to improve to 8-2 overall, extend their winning streak to five straight games. They also improved a 24-2 and all-time against Furman. It was the first time since 1986 these two teams have met. And in the process, with Carolina giving up just those 61 points, it became the fifth time they have held opponents to 65 points or fewer consecutively. That has not happened since the 2011-2012 season where Carolina – won the ACC regular season, was a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and was a game away from ultimately making the Final Four. But, uh, buddy, it was kind of a lot like Saturday night where it wasn't pretty, especially in the first half, this time mainly on the defensive end of the court. But Carolina used a run in the second half to pull away and get a – a comfortable win at home in the Smith Center. Well, I mean, look, it was a it was a good start. I mean, they raced out to a seven nothing lead and uh, definitely looked uh, you know pretty confident coming out of the gate, which is something that you didn't see the other night against Elon. It was really a slow start all around, and then they kind of ran away a little bit at the end of the first half. Um, and this one was a little bit different. Furman got themselves back in the game, and um, they they were able to knock down a couple of shots from the outside. As you mentioned, the defense had some lapses early on in the game, but you, you really have to commend the coaching staff and, and the players on the floor for making the adjustments that they had to once again to be able to come out and, and, and win this game. And look, you know, again, Furman is, is a team that in the past you probably look at and say, well, they haven't been great. And we said that, you know, when we were previewing this game. But this is a different Furman team. This is a team that we thought resembled 
with a Wofford team of a couple years ago and the way that they shot the three ball. Now, clearly not as powerful of a team inside. Carolina was able to take advantage of that um, and probably should have taken even more advantage of it than they did in this game. But uh, yeah, th- this is just a- another great all-around effort in the second half. And and this is the thing. I know a lot of people are saying, hey, can we see 40 minutes at some point this season? And I think that's one of the things that probably leaves you encouraged because we've said this multiple times that you always want to be playing your best basketball in February, March, and then eventually in April. Carolina's playing good basketball but there's still room for improvement here. Uh, but right now, I mean, if, if you're telling me that this is the effort that Carolina is going to consistently give in the second half of games, I feel pretty good about Carolina's chances to have a really strong, if not special season. We're going to talk about the second half a little bit more, specifically a little bit later in the show. Let's go ahead and take a look at the box score. Carolina got back to their efficient ways on offense, 50% from the field as they shot 30 of 60 from the floor. Tonight, they held Elon to just 40%, 24 of 40. Three-point shooting back-to-back subpar games for Carolina, just 5 of 16 from three-point land tonight, led by Caleb Love, who knocked in a team-best two triples. Uh, They held Furman to just 30% shooting from behind the three-point line, 10 of 33. So right on average what Furman makes, they enter the game averaging 10.6 makes at roughly 29 attempts. But the big thing to take away was Furman did start 8 of 15 from behind the three-point line. They finished just 2 of 18. Free throw line tonight, Carolina just 9 of 14 for 64%. Furman just 3 of 3. Turnovers, a big key for Carolina entering the game. They cleaned it up tonight with just 8 turnovers. Uh, They forced 7 turnovers as well as Furman. Um, Really did a good job controlling the pace, and we'll talk about that too here in just a second. Here was really the difference in the game was the rebounding. Carolina out-rebounded Furman 44-225. 32 to 21 on the defensive glass, 12 to 4 on the offensive glass, and they were able to convert those 12 offensive rebounds into 19 second chance points. Meanwhile, Furman had those four offensive rebounds, no second chance points tonight for the Paladins. Bench points in favor of Carolina, 15 to 12, led by Brady Manick, who had 13 points off the bench, six of nine from the field, points in the paint, 44 to 26 in favor of Carolina, nine to seven fast break points in favor of the Carolina, in favor of Carolina, excuse me, the blocks give that to Furman. They had the advantage three to two. They had the advantage in steals as well, seven to three. Both teams had an even 18 assists on the night. We'll go to the quote of the game. And when asked about Leaky Black's performance, in the post game on the Tar Heel Sports Network, Hubert Davis said that over the summer, he challenged every player on the team to make it known why they should be on the court and then validate why they should be on the court with their practice, their preparation, um, and, and, and the process which they do those things. And Hubert said that no one has done a much better job than that Van Leakey Black, and tonight he was really big for Carolina. Nine points, four or five from the field, knocked in a three-pointer, grabbed five rebounds and 31 minutes, all while defending Alex Hunter, Furman's leading scorer, entering the ballgame. We're going to talk a little bit more about Leakey a little bit later in the show as well. 
We go now to the stat of the game. And sometimes I like to give you a chance to give your input. Not tonight. Um, the stat of the game was, for me, it was very clear and very evident. It was the rebounding margin. Carolina is becoming a much more better rebounding team as they are you know, learning how to play in this new style under Huber Davis. They got rebounded Furman 44-225. But the main thing I put down was, as I just mentioned, those offensive rebounds, 12 offensive rebounds, 19 second-chance points. Carolina looked like the Carolina that – I've grown up seeing under Roy Williams where sometimes their best offense was their second chance offense. And tonight when they didn't shoot the ball well from behind the three point line and the game was kind of stuck in a half court flow and the half court offense wasn't executing at the level that we've grown accustomed to early in the season, you had to find different ways to score. And sometimes like that was just simply putting the ball up and letting either Baycott, Manic, or Garcia go and track it down really encouraging to see Carolina getting back on the offensive glass and generating second-chance points. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play this week's ad from DraftKings. Then we're going to come back, get back more into the game, the win over Furman, and give some final thoughts on tonight's win. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking a great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you over here on the Four corner side of things. As for Anthony over on the Heel Tough blog side of things. So dive back into the win over Furman. Really nice games tonight from Dawson Garcia and Brady Manick. Garcia followed up his 22-point performance against Elon with 20 points tonight, 7 of 12 shooting, 1 of 3 from behind the three-point line, added uh, 5 of, of 6 from the foul line, and 10 rebounds for his first career Tar Heel double-double. And then Armando Baycott. 14 points, also like Brady, uh, or also like Dawson Garcia, 7 of 12 from the field and a game best 12 rebounds. I mentioned when we were going through the stat of the game that with the rebounding, it looked like Carolina was vintage Carolina. They looked a lot like the team we saw last year in a positive way when Carolina won, which was they played through their bigs for the majority of the game, and they got great results. You add Brady Manick coming off the bench to score 13 points. The trio of Garcia, Baycott, and Manick combined to score 47 of 74 points for Carolina. And it's really big for Dawson Garcia because he hasn't really strung together 
back-to-back quality efforts. He now has that with Furman's 22 or uh, with 22 against Elon. And then tonight that double, double his first as a Tar Heel, but it came back to Armando Baycott for me. I thought he set the tone early. He patrolled the painted area, mainly on the defensive glass, getting good box outs, getting good position. And then the ball found him at the opportune times in the second half. And when it felt like whenever they needed to get a bucket, they got that bucket from Baycott. And then as uh, Brady Manick coming off the bench, responded in a big way with those 13 points. This we, We've been waiting all year for the trio of the front court players to play very well. Simultaneously, we got that tonight against Furman. And they needed it. And, uh, I mean, look, I, first of all, extremely offended that you would think that I wouldn't be with you on uh, the stat of the game being the fact that Carolina – was absolutely dominant on the glass, plus 19. So um, the, the only thing that I would say that could rival that is See, the that's fact why that they, you didn't get an input because there was no rivaling of that stat. Well, they scored 44 points in the paint. Which, because of the rebounding. Again, has to be their – it's got to be the most that they've had so far this season by a large margin. So um, – and and that was due to the work of, of, of them, as you mentioned, getting on the offensive glass, but the guys also had to finish as well. Um, you know, I thought I, – I thought Garcia was the guy that really got them going out of the gate. Um, he was – it was important, I, I think, for him um, because we've never really seen – that type of play from him um, where those first few minutes of the game where he went off and scored the first nine for Carolina, he just looked like a confident guy that came out, you know, was feeling pretty good about how he was playing early on and looked like he was demanding the basketball and going to work. And, you know, it, it, it didn't carry over into an absolutely dominating performance like, you know, some that we've seen in the past from guys like Bryce Johnson or, or Garrison Brooks. But, you know, to still have the night that he did was huge. Um, and I'm with you, you know, for him to string back-to-back games together um, to show that he has the ability to get on the offensive glass as well as the defensive glass and get that double-double. And then the other thing is, is once again, this is the second straight game that he's led Carolina in free throw. So he's doing the things that he has to do even when he's not able to score at the basket. He's still getting to the free throw line. He's affecting the game there. He was five of six at the at the free throw stripe. So he, he's had a lot of success here in these last two games for Carolina, being more aggressive when he does have the basketball. And I think it's paying off for him. I think, look, you're going to have those moments where, you know, he's going to turn the ball over. He's going to take some head scratching shots. I think that's just something you're living with right now because he's a sophomore going in, you know, over the next couple of years that's something that you've got to be able to sort of wean out of your game especially as you get closer and closer uh to the end of your career at Carolina but right now uh he he is definitely what the Tar Heels have needed in these past two games like you said Armando Baycott definitely realized early on that he could take over and I think you're right he stepped up and, and when Carolina needed a basket which there were a couple of times in this game where they did yep. he did a really good Good job of being able uh, to, you know, basically take the ball in his hands and go to work. And then Brady Manick, this was a good bounce back performance from him. There were some people that were saying 
uh, after the last game that they were concerned about how Brady Manick was playing. Um, really didn't think he had lived up to expectations so far this season. I think that's just moronic, uh, to be honest with you. I think he's filling the role that we thought he would fill, especially with the fact that he is coming off the bench. And I had somebody say, well, you really are, are you really trying to tell me that Brady Manick is not a better player or should be a better player than Dawson Garcia right now? I mean, look, the last two games, Dawson Garcia has been the better player, but I think overall right now, Brady Manick is the better basketball player, but he's filling a role off the bench that Carolina really needs. And you saw it early on in this game. He came in early on and provided a little bit of a spark. And he did that. Um, he, he has been doing that all season. And tonight to finish with 13 points, he was six and nine shooting. Wasn't, you know, one of three from beyond the arc. And I think that's the area where most people are probably feeling like he's not producing, but he's doing the things that Carolina needs him to do and in a game like this where you get the production that you got from Garcia to go along with what you got from Baycott anything that he adds is an added bonus and I thought that he added a lot tonight and uh, yeah this this is the first time this season where Carolina has really had to sort of ride the front court um, to a win because your guards I mean they weren't bad in this game but you know Caleb Love 10 points on three of 10 shooting. R.J. Davis was just two of eight from the field. So this this was a, a really good performance. And once again, this is a yet another way that Carolina is able to win a game offensively. We talked about it when we were recapping the game um, the other day uh, after Elon, that this is a team that just – find so many different ways to be able to win games on the offensive end of the floor. They didn't reach that 80-point mark that I was talking about the other night, but they once again found a way to win in a different way on the offensive end of the floor, this time by leaning heavily on that front court and heavily on offensive rebounding and second-chance points. One of the big things entering this game was going to be how well Carolina defended the three-point line, and they didn't start out great. Furman hit their first four of their first five three-point attempts. As I mentioned earlier, they started the, the, the game 8 of 15 from behind the three-point line. They finished just 10 of 33. Um, and, and, you know, the biggest thing was that – I didn't think Carolina did anything differently. They just they just competed harder. I know that just kind of sounds easy to say, but Hubert Davis even said that in his radio show last night. He said, we haven't really changed a whole lot of, of the way we're trying to defend the three-point line. We're just we're, – we're, we're getting better at closing out and, and being able to run people off the three-point line more effectively. And to and by that, he said, you know, the last couple of years, we've been running people just to the three-point line. Well, you can run them to the three-point line. That's still a quality shot. We're trying to run them off the three-point line three to five feet. That way, if they're, if they're taking a 30-footer and they make it, we're going to live with that result. Carolina had a, a tough time early on because Furman runs a Princeton-style offense. They screened really well to get their shooters open. Hunter, Bothwell, Slauson, those guys. But in that second half, Leaky Black and, and, and the guys, they dug back in, and, and they just did a much better job. They clamped down. Furman was just 2 of 18 the rest of the way from behind the arc. And it's just something that this Carolina team – 
they're they're not the best three point defensive team that we've that were that we've ever seen, and and but they don't need to be. The biggest problem the last couple of years was the way that Furman started tonight would have carried over for 40 minutes. This team's gotten a lot better at even if a team comes out and they start hot, they're able to weather the storm. They're still competing on the defensive end, and it, and it usually leads to them getting stops. They've done it against whether it was the College of Charleston. You had the Brown game at home. Georgia Tech had a stretch in that second half or in that first half, excuse me, where they hit five threes in less than two minutes, and it didn't cost Carolina the game. This team is starting to form in a in a, a, a defensive identity. It's led by Leaky Black, but it's also being carried over by Caleb Love, by R.J. Davis, who are competing on the defensive end of the court, even when their shot isn't falling. And then you've got your bigs down low and Baycock, Garcia, and Manic, who are anchoring the post. They're adding rim protection, and for the most part, they're not allowing teams to get the to to get the offensive glass. But it starts in with Carolina's three point defense. We entered the season saying they got to improve, and eight games in, they've definitely done just that. And the thing is, is that look, they've you know even early on in the season, um, I think people were a little bit scared that that was going to show up, and then after that game against Tennessee, I think a lot of people were convinced. Well, here we go. This is back to the same struggles that Carolina's had for a long time. Not only are they struggling, you know, stopping the ball and allowing guys to just drive to the hole with ease, this is going to be a team that's going to struggle to stop teams that can shoot the lights out from beyond the arc. And this is two games in a row where you've played really good three-point shooting opponents coming into the game, and especially tonight. This was a team that was inside of the top 15 in the country in three-point shooting. And, yeah, as you said, look, they got out to a really good start. And normally that's something that, you know, when you're over the past couple of years, you kind of just say, okay, well, this is going to be an element of the game. Carolina is going to have to find a way to outscore them. That was not the case in this game. Carolina responded. Um, and, and look, part of it, again, is that, you know, Furman missed some shots. But, hey, that's part of it. That, that's something that uh, I think you just have to deal with. Carolina did a really good job defensively of making the adjustments, running them off the line, and holding them to just two of their last 18, as you said earlier. So, uh, th- this is – you just have to applaud the effort. And and you mentioned Leaky Black. I think Anthony Harris deserves a lot of credit here too. 13 minutes played in this game, and he's once again just one of those guys that if you look at the stat sheet, you would say, well, why are you praising this guy? The dude finished with two points on the offensive end. How much did he really do? Both him and Leaky Black are showing this season that because of the guys that they have around them scoring-wise – they are able to sort of focus on the defensive end of the floor and do what they do best and 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 be able to bring an element that maybe some of these other guys can't bring to this team and it's been invaluable for each of the last two games and you know really each of the last four games in the in this mini winning streak that Carolina has put together um that i i think everybody should be impressed with so far. Um, and, and that's the thing is you've seen this defense grow throughout the season. 
And again, it goes back to the coaching staff and how good of a job that they are doing uh, of being able to adjust even in game where, you know, even if you get off to a bit of a slow start like you did uh, the other night against Elon on the inside, they were able to make the adjustment there tonight against Furman uh, from the outside. They got off to a nice start. You make the adjustments that you need to and uh, Carolina's defense Definitely taking huge strides after there was some palpable concern early on to begin the season. I want to get back into Carolina's offensive rebounds, which led them to all those second chance points. I think that's something that Hubert Davis, I'm not going to say he wasn't stressing as much, but with the with the style you wanted to play with playing the four around one, it, it didn't lend you to believe that you could be a great offensive rebounding team, but you have to give him the credit where I think he was able to realize early on that, okay, we're still not going to shoot the ball very well. We've got that size advantage on the opponent. We can put Dawson and, and, and Armando on the block and still run our offense the way we still want to run our offense and, and, and be able to grab second uh, offensive rebounds and get them in the second chance points. Carolina's going to have to be a great offensive rebounding or, or a very good offensive rebounding team if they want to win the ACC and be a legitimate Final Four contender. Because you're not going to convince me that teams that don't uh, rebound the ball offensively at a high level can be one of those teams. And so I think it's something that – I, I think it could be something with, with Heber Davis and for Carolina that they'll use it when it feels like they, they need to use it in terms of making that adjustment of saying, okay, we don't need to have all of our guys out behind the three-point line. We're going to go put them back on the perimeter because we need them to go get uh, offensive rebounds. Of course, the thing you got to monitor with that is your foul troubles because you've only got three legitimate front court players with that kind of size, especially given the fact that Justin McCoy is not getting consistent minutes right now. You you don't mind playing Leaky Black at the four for, for uh, sparing moments, but you like him at that three spot for all things he can do for you on both ends of the court. And look, Offensive rebounding to me, it's a very personal thing because it is the most important aspect of the game, in my opinion, because the more chances you have uh, to shoot the ball, you would imagine over the course of the game that you're going to win because you have more chances to put the ball in the basket. Seeing them getting back to rebounding the ball at that type of pace or that kind of level is really fun to see. As for the assist and turnovers, look, Carolina did not take care of the basketball against Elon. They looked sloppy. They looked like they did before Thanksgiving. And it was kind of one of those things where you kind of worry, okay, are they back to being careless without the basketball? Because Hubert Davis always says that um, turnovers, are, turnovers are either because you're careless or you're selfish, and we're not a selfish team because we play carelessly. Tonight, just eight turnovers. And I thought that was really key because they didn't dictate the tempo the way that I wanted them to. I didn't think they pushed the pace to the level that uh, they could have at certain times. But it, it didn't matter because they only committed – eight turnovers. Now they only forced seven turnovers, which was kind of disconcerting as well. But entering the game, Furman was one of the better teams assisting the ball at 18 per game. They're in the top 20 nationally. And usually if you're a good passing team, that means you take care of the basketball as well. So it was good to see Carolina have a bounce back performance in that after a rough night against Elon. Let's get into more, some uh, more general thoughts from tonight's game. 
Carolina's becoming a second half team. We've seen it in the win over in the wins over Brown, the College of Charleston, Michigan, Georgia Tech, Elon to a certain degree, and then tonight against Furman, where this is a team that is responsive to going into halftime after not playing their best basketball in the first 20 minutes, making adjustments, getting back to their game plan, reevaluating the scouting report, et cetera, and making it, it pay off in that second half. The game was tied at 39-39 going into halftime. This game was all but over after the under-16 timeout of the second half, believe it or not, if you look at the scoreboard and the way the game was going. That's really interesting to see because you've got a first-year head coach with a relatively brand-new coaching staff sitting on that bench with them. Usually you don't see a team be this good in the second 20 minutes in the first year of a new coach, breaking in a new offense, breaking in a new coaching staff. That's usually what you see in three to four years. That was one of the things where as a – as a Tar Heel fan and someone that's going to cover the program, that was one thing I was willing for Heber Davis to grow and evolve as he got more and more experience as a head coach. It appears he doesn't need that because this team is making adjustments in that in the 15 minutes between the first half and the second half, and it's paying off big time for them uh, so far early in the season. Yeah, you're right, and, and and it really is amazing because, I mean, the, the adjustments are legitimately made at halftime because this team right before the half has not been great. That's been one of the big issues that they've had is even in some of these games where they've had some success, they've let teams back into the game right before uh, they go into halftime. But it just seems like a completely different team, especially defensively. I, I think that we've, you know, in, in just about every one of the games that Carolina has won during this four-game winning streak, you've seen a team that has been much better defensively coming out of halftime uh, than they were in, in the first half. I mean, Elon – it was debatable, but I still think that they were better, especially inside. So, again, the credit goes to the staff. I think Hubert Davis deserves a ton of credit. You also would imagine that Jeff Lebo probably deserves a lot of credit here as well, a guy that is the most experienced member of that staff, him as well as Pat Sullivan. So I think having those different voices has definitely helped Huber Davis. But I think the other thing is, is you just really have to hand it to some of these guys that are on the court um, that have just realized that, look, you know, we've got to step up in that second half when it really matters. Um, and, and they're able to sort of process what has gone wrong in some of these first halves and make the adjustments themselves out there on the floor. And I think that goes back to some of these guys starting to emerge as the veteran leaders. You know, Armando Baycott, Caleb Love seems to be more confident with the way he's been playing. Mm -hmm. And of course, Brady Manick as well, who's kind of a more of a lead by example type of guy. But you can tell that some of these guys definitely are, are able to process quickly what happened, what went wrong early in the game, and how can we make adjustments to, to be able to figure it out. And again, tonight, oh, especially with the, with the three-point shooting that they were facing, the success that Furman had early on, for them to be able to make that adjustment and play the way that they did in that second half, I mean – Going into the, you know, coming out of the under four timeout, actually, and I think it was basically with about with a little less than three minutes to go, um, Carolina had allowed 13 second half points. So, I mean, that you, you it, it's just amazing how 
this team looks so different from the first half to the second half in every one of these four games that you watch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just so many guys deserve a lot of credit for making this happen. Um, The thing is, is you just wonder, can they keep this going when they get into conference play, or are they going to have to start having a little more success in some of these first halves? Uh, You know, because there probably will be games where some other teams with some better head coaches uh, than the teams that they've faced so far this season will be able to make those adjustments and, and, and counter what Carolina's doing. Wanted to get into Leaky Black. Um, you know, we used him for the quarter of the game uh, or, or used a Huber Davis quote about him for the quarter of the game. And, look, it's it's fair to say I haven't been Leaky Black's biggest fan since his freshman year. Freshman no. Leaky Black, I was, a, I was a big fan of. And I, I saw – I saw what he is now as a freshman. We didn't get that as sophomore and junior years. And I think there now we can identify why. Because he didn't have the as defined a role as he does now. The freshman, especially his sophomore year, he became Carolina's backup point guard, uh, essentially, for the middle part of the season as Carolina was battling a multitude of injuries. And, and so they needed him to score the ball. They needed him to pass the ball. They needed him to, to play really good defense. And same like last year, because you didn't have a whole lot of perimeter shooting. You needed someone to shoot the ball at at certain times, and he wasn't able to make those shots, and he also still had to play defense, and it really affected him. Now he knows his role. His role is to play defense at a high level, which he is doing a fantastic job at doing that. He's also become a great rebounder. Um, You know, you'll see him – five or six rebounds. He's led the team in plus minus four straight games for people that care about that statistic. But tonight it was his offense, four or five from the field. We thought he had made back-to-back threes. It turned out he had one with a foot on the line, so it was just one three. And all of a sudden now you have some confidence when the ball gets in his hands that if he has to take the shot, he can make the shot. And that's been the biggest thing that's lacked for him on the offensive end of the floor. It's just he's lacked – He's lacked confidence, and he was one of the guys we talked about entering the season that we thought up there with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, he was going to benefit the most from the coaching change. He has a very close relationship with Hubert Davis. He was his primary recruiter, and that's the guy that you would always see him working out with whenever he would post his workouts on social media, and we're seeing that pay off. He has become a leader for this team on the defensive end of the floor. He does all the little things. He's providing you some offense. And the and the coolest thing is to see the the, the team react to him having offensive success because they know how much he struggled to put the ball in the basket at times. And, look, he's aware of the things that's been said about him, um, whether it's from me or from other Tar Heel fans or even just the media in general because they have been very hard on him, and rightfully so, because he has underperformed at certain times. But – it's really fun to see him play this type of way. C- comparing him to Theo Pinson was always unfair because Theo was just such a great all-around player. But he has he has found the role that Theo Pinson had for his time in Chapel Hill, and Carolina is benefiting greatly with Leaky Black on the court. Something we haven't been able to say the last couple of seasons. I mean, look, he's he's not the score that Theo was even late in his career. But the other thing to remember with Theo Pinson was that Theo was a guy when he was originally recruited that 
was supposed to be a scorer. So even him, he didn't turn out to be exactly what Carolina thought they were getting. I think that was part of the issue for him as well, was that he always looked at those comparisons to Theo and thought that that was what he had to be. And I think you're right. And, and, and we said this in the preseason, the fact that his role is now more defined. Um, and look, we saw early in the season um, uh, they, they had to use him at point guard once. Outside of that, he is in the same role every single time that he is on the floor. And right now, Carolina's just pretty much focused on using him on the defensive end to take away the opponent's best offensive player. And they've it, it's worked out very well. And he fits that role extremely well. And it's something that Carolina needs on this team. They need a guy that is going to focus on the defensive end of the floor, especially with the fact that Carolina is getting the scoring the way that they are. And that's the thing. I, one of our coworkers, uh, I heard him saying yesterday when they were talking about Carolina and the situation that Carolina is in right now, um, and what they think of their chances, you know, after these last four games, he was pointing to the fact that Leaky Black is still a little bit of a question mark. He, he expected more from Leaky Black. I think that this is kind of just like we we know at this point that this is what Leakey is, and I think that he is playing this role exceptionally as the guy that is going to be your best defender. Um, he can guard pretty much any position one to three for sure. Maybe even certain fours he could probably guard as well, um, especially with, with, with the height and his ability to rebound, which he has shown um, at times this season. And, you know, if he gives you something on the offensive end like he did tonight where he scored nine points, then great. If he has a night where he scores two points, he's still extremely valuable on the floor. And the plus-minus numbers show that to you. So he is really settling in, I think, I mean, look, you, you look at Caleb Love. I mean, he's he's been outstanding. Tonight wasn't his best night, but he has definitely taken a significant step forward. Um, R.J. Davis has had his flashes. But, I, I mean, if you look at Leaky Black, it might be hard to argue that anybody else on this team has benefited more from Hubert Davis coming in so far this season because you're right. He, you know, he, he looks settled into his role. And game in and game out, he is a consistent player. You know, he has those moments where he might, you know, put a couple more points up there. But he is right now probably Carolina's most consistent player because you know every night that you're going to at least get the effort from him on the defensive end of the floor. And I think also, you know, I, I, I it's he's a rather quiet guy. Um, so it, it's something that people probably don't look at. He's definitely one of those guys that is also a little bit of a leader by example, um, especially for a guy like Anthony Harris, who I think you're seeing starting to mold into, uh, you know, a younger version of Leakey to a certain extent. So it, it's great all around to see him having this success and and finally being able to sort of show people this is what I am and uh, I, I'm, I'm serving a purpose on this team in a big one. Last thing coming out of tonight's game, Carolina back-to-back subpar shooting performances from behind the three-point line, just 31% tonight, 5 of 16. This is why Carolina's got to get Kerwin Walton involved. 
because this is it's it was going to happen. It's happened and it's going to happen down the road. And they didn't have anybody tonight that they could go to to generate perimeter offense. Luckily, they didn't need it because you had such a size advantage inside. You could just pound the ball and and, and play through your post players. And you can do that against Furman. You can't do that on against UCLA on Saturday. And even when you get in the ACC play, I know that the ACC is not having the type of year that we thought they were capable of having as you only got one team in the top 25. But – um, Carolina still doesn't have a great margin for error if, if they're not going to shoot the ball well from behind the three-point line. So this is why if, if – if, if I'm not saying it's time to, you know, have DEFCON 1 or whatever, but there's no way Hubert Davis can't look at the, the way his team shot the last two nights and say, all right, we're not shooting the ball well. Well, our best shooter isn't involved. I need to fix that. Now, look, I know he – He'll tell you he needs to fix it as well. And I'm not at practice. And I can't tell you if he's earned the right to be on the floor or not. But you, you're you running – you're going to potentially run into a situation where you're in a shooting slump and you don't have anyone that can shoot you out of it. Kerwin Walton is more than capable of coming off the bench and putting the ball in the basket because he did it last year against Kentucky, uh, seemingly hadn't played before that game, and made four second-half threes. He's done it this year at the College of Charleston. Carolina doesn't win that game without him making perimeter shots. So there's got to be some give or take here. As long, it, I'm not saying you got to be where it was last year where you just need him on the court to put the ball in the basket, but he needs to be back involved in this rotation because Carolina has proven already 10 games into the season, even though they're a much-improved three-point shooting team, they still need Kerwin Walton on the floor giving them perimeter buckets. I mean, look, he played seven minutes tonight and didn't take a shot. So that seven minutes isn't enough. But you're out there for seven minutes and you don't take a single shot. Clearly, you're not doing enough to try to move without the basketball to get yourself a, a, a look. Because, I mean, we remember last year. I mean, this is a guy that if he has any sort of space, he's got such a quick release that he's going to be able to get the shot off. So, what I'm trying to get at is I'm wondering, is this some sort of confidence issue? Um, I, I, I mean, I don't really know what is going on. I think that's, to your point, we're not in practice, so we don't really understand what exactly is going on right now. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think – I mean, it's 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 tough because I mean, yeah, if you've got a if you got somebody that right now is just doesn't look as if he's looking for a shot, and that's really the best thing uh, that he can do for you. It's tough to keep that guy on the floor because, yeah, I mean, he still is a defensive liability. So when he's on the floor, I mean, look, I'm not saying you've got to force up bad shots, but you've got to at least start looking for your shot a little bit more confidently here. And he should, I mean, look, I know that he's, you know, the last time that we saw him take a high volume of shots, he was over from the field, but this is still a guy that, as you mentioned, you know, against the college of Charleston, he can get himself going very quickly and, and really be a key part of what this Carolina team does offensively. I think right now the problem is, is that it's going to be really hard to pull a guy like Anthony Harris off the floor because of what he's bringing you on the defensive end of the floor. So it's, it's definitely one of those things that 
you know, for Hubert Davis, things are going really, really well right now in terms of this four-game winning streak. But, yeah, I mean, back-to-back shooting performances like this, I'm not going to say you should be too concerned about it because you did win both games. And, I, again, there's so many different ways that this team can win on the offensive end of the floor. But I think that your point is also very valid in that you're going to probably get into a point in the season um, and maybe it's right now. Maybe this is the, the worst slump you'll have, but I don't think so. I think you'll probably end up seeing, you know, uh, some other slumps throughout the year and probably ones that are a little bit worse from beyond the arc um, that where you're going to need a guy that can sort of spark you a little bit. The good news is, is that, look, you know, Hubert has shown already so far early this season he is willing to put these guys in, even though they may not have played significant roles in the last couple of games. He's done it multiple times with Anthony Harris so far this season, um, and he did it a little bit with Kerwin Walton early in the season. So um, you, I think you're going to see you know, his impact sort of sprinkled throughout, but I think the biggest thing for Kerwin is when he's on the floor, uh, you know, be confident uh, and 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 take a couple of shots here and there. Try to get yourself going because that's the best way to get yourself back on the floor unless you can improve uh, your, yourself on the defensive end in season. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, I do want to get you guys to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Had you covered leading up to the Furman game. The recap was already up and posted. Um, so go get there, read about that game, and then I'll be getting you ready for UCLA this upcoming Saturday as I continue to take you through the 2021-22 basketball season tomorrow is National Signing Day for Carolina football. Anthony will have you cover with wall-to-wall coverage of the Tar Heels over the over the next three days as the signing period does last up until Friday as Mac Brown does try to submit a top-10 class in his third year back as Carolina's football coach. So get over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for all that great football and basketball coverage. As for the podcast side of things, you know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcast Network. We host through Megaphone. We're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, you name it. The Four Corners Podcast is there. Go ahead and give it a like. Go ahead and give a review as well. Review me as the host. Review Anthony as the co-host. But most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you get every great podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, it is going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.